across the centuries comes this exciting story of a modern girl cursed by an ancient legend. The legend of the cat people. Women whose kiss means death. Whose love turns them into vicious, snarling beasts of prey. Twice I've been followed by something that was not human. Something that attempted to take my life. I believe that was the cat form of Irena. Why should she wish to harm you? Because I'm in love with her husband. It's shut, Belle. Just a minute ago, it was open. Clark. Leave us, Serena. Welcome to Out of Theaters, the podcast that reviews the movies of yesteryear, this year. My name is Billy Culpa, and I'm here with my good friend and film critic, Will Pfeiffer. Will. Hey, Billy. You gotta wait for me to say hello there. I'm sorry. I was so eager. Hello there. Hi, Billy. <laughs> this week's featured movie is Cat People from 1940-something. 42. Great. I can already see we're going. <laughs> but in the meantime, Will, have you seen any good movies lately? I've seen some good movies, but specifically the movie I just watched on Netflix, um, brand new, Dolomite is my name. You got you got stock in Netflix here. It seems to be all you talk about these days. Well, it's Netflix. It's, are you a, are you a digital media convert? <laughs> What is that? I was, you know, I will say this. When I was watching this movie, I was thinking, God, I would like to buy a Blu-ray with the commentary track and some bonus features with this movie, even though I can watch it for free right now. A lot of times, not for free. If you just hold your little center, like Apple TV button, the audio options pop up, and there will be a commentary track. But I don't think there's one on this one yet. Fair enough. Tell me, tell me about uh, Dolomite is my name. Dolomite is my name. Is a uh, biopic sort of of a comedian. A prototypical rapper, I guess, a filmmaker, recording artist, Rudy Ray Moore, who was popular in the 1970s. Um, and this movie is the story of how this guy who had virtually no money, he certainly had no experience in Hollywood, made a movie called Dolomite, where he played the character of Dolomite, sort of this outrageous kung fu fighting uh pimp rapper comedian <laughs> kind of a guy i know it's a lot going in um and this is how he made this movie which has become a huge cult movie in which you know his he'd made essentially four movies that still you know you can get those movies on blu-ray and people still love them and they're just a weird slice of the 70s but this movie's uh interesting for a lot of reasons the main one being that it stars eddie murphy who when i was growing up was huge and he sort of, you know, then he spent several decades making Dr. Doolittle sequels and Norbit and Pluto Nash and a lot of movies that he seemed just to be going to pick up a paycheck. Sure. But this is a movie where he gives a real performance. It's both funny and serious. And uh, he's great in it. Is it kind of in the, like, Ed Wood family? It is very much in the Ed Wood family. And I will tell you... Uh, I'm happy to hear you say that. I just thought of that on the top well, of my head. Well, listen to this. It was written by two guys named Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Who wrote Ed Wood. Oh, shit. That's awesome. That's right. So it is very much about a filmmaker who is... Now, maybe Rudy Ray Moore was probably not quite as incompetent and delusional 
as Ed Wood. And I love the movie. I love both the movie Ed Wood and I love Ed Wood's movies. But, but Ed Wood thought he was great. Well, at least in the movie. I don't know if in real life he was quite as sure. quite as cheerful and go get him as Johnny I, Depp I read played he him. Kind of took advantage of Bella Lugosi. Well, I don't know. I mean, the real Ed Wood, you know, Bella, nobody was hiring Bella at that point. I think there was some real affection for him, but he did film Bella for a movie. Then when Bella died, he used that footage to build an entire movie around. Right. And on. and Bella had like a drug addiction. I don't want to. Bella like, was heroin. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the dead here, you know, or talk yeah. bad about the dead. But I. I well, it's true. Did Edward know that and went out? Oh, yeah. Care. No, yeah. and I think he helped him through. I mean, he, Edward was at Bella's funeral. I mean, I think he was one of his friends later in life when most of Hollywood had forgotten about sure. him. Sure. Okay. Right. But I mean, this and, and you know, the Edward movie is is sort of both, you know, funny when you see how incompetent Edward was, but also sort of sweet in the way it portrays Bella and Ed's relationship. And this movie is is sort of similar in that it's, it's very funny in parts because Rudy Ray Moore either had no idea how to make a movie or he just had these ideas that sounded insane, maybe were insane, but did result in a very entertaining movie. But it's also very much a story of here are some people who have been, you know, shut out of the entertainment business, African-American people, you know, the whole group and sort of how they are able to do something and find some success. And it's actually for a movie that has... 5,000 swear words on the soundtrack. And I'm, I may be underestimating a bit. There's a certain word that gets repeated constantly in this movie. But um, it's actually a very sweet and, dare I say at the end, almost heartwarming movie. But it's really, it's really funny. It looks great. I mean, they captured this sort of low-rent 1970s look. And I've seen all Ray, Rudy Ray Moore's movies and they reenact some scenes in them almost perfectly. And then at the end... At the very end, in the credits, they show the actual Rudy Ray Moore scenes that you saw Eddie Murphy sure, portraying sure. in the movie. But it 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 also co-stars Wesley Snipes as a as a man paying his taxes. No, well, you know, he's playing an actor named Derville Martin who was in real movies back then. He was in some some black exploitation movies that had real budgets and real studios behind him. He also has a very small part in Rosemary's Baby. Okay, so he's he's the director of the Dolomite movie within the movie and he kind of looks down on Rudy Ray Moore and all that but it's how, how is Eddie Murphy in it he's great he's yeah. he gives a real performance I mean he has serious moments he has funny moments and you know like I said I grew up watching Eddie Murphy it's exciting to see him doing something interesting again it's got to be tiring he I mean he has to know that's his reputation well I think he does but I think you know he's doing this he's going to be on Saturday Night Live I think he's decided maybe now that he's I think he's approaching 60. I think he's almost 60. Yeah. Maybe he decides like, hey, I was once the biggest star in the world. Let me see if I can recapture some of that. And it's, it's exciting to see him trying. I look forward to Shrek 7. <sighs> no, you are the only... You and Mike Myers are the only people looking forward to Shrek. And the guys from Smash Mouth. <laughs> but I mean, this is... It's a kind of... If, if you like movies about movies, and if you like, you know, sort of offbeat comedies, and if you have a high tolerance... For certain profane phrases, I would recommend this. <laughs> That's that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Is there anything else coming up? Uh, I I, I want to get to cat people in a minute, but um, you asked me before this podcast started. Were there any movies I was looking forward I do. to? Because Billy, I care about you. I don't know about that. Okay, I don't. But it made for good conversation. Fair. <laughs> and there, I actually have an answer to two of them. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, one is the movie that's already out, the Breaking Bad sequel, sort of follow-up, El Camino. Right. Which I know you don't give a damn about at all. But I feel I should watch this and never watch an episode of Breaking <sighs> Bad. You're a bad friend. Like, I you're know. a good podcast host, but you're a bad friend. I just want you to know that. And two, 
uh, Doctor Sleep, uh, which, all right, Doctor Sleep is the the book sequel to um, The Shining. The Shining, right? Which you know, famously, Kubrick didn't use King's script, and so King spurned him forever. And I think Kubrick was a huge dick about it too. Like, read the first page, threw it in the trash, and when King asked about it later, he said it was garbage. Yeah, yeah I, was, I mean, the, the, Kubrick wanted to make like. He wanted to make a horror movie. I mean, in the same vein as the birds last week, or I'm sorry, uh, Psycho, you know, with Hitchcock, where he said, I could do that. Right. Well, I think Kubrick, you know, he made like science fiction, he made war movies, he made this and that, historical dramas. And then I think he said, I want to make my horror movie. He sent somebody out just looking for any book he could adapt. And they brought back The Shining. He took the bare nuts and bolts of it, delivered that. Stephen King famously does not like the movie adaptation. And in fact, he wrote his own script for a terrible TV movie adaptation. Right. And and so there's there's drama there. So um, years went by, though. Like 30 years went by. Yeah, The Shining came out in 80. I All right. Audience, like seriously, call me out if I have this wrong. But I am pretty sure the reason why we have Dr. Sleep is King put a thing on Twitter or on his website or something where he's like, hey, look. I mean, they're going to do another version or another uh, episode in the Gunslinger series, um, Dark Tower. They are? Not as a movie. Just oh, he's going to write. because oh, that movie bombed. No, no, no. Yeah. He, basically, he was like, I'm going to write another Dark Tower novel or I'm going to write uh, a Shining Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. Go to my website and vote. And it was like, you know, like a thousand people vote and it was like 25 more people picked out your sleep. So that's the one he just, he was like, all right, I'll write that. And now we have a movie and apparently the reviews are great. I haven't seen any reviews yet. I Here's what I find ironic is Stephen King hates Kubrick's adaptation. This movie from the trailers could not be trying more to be a Kubrick-like. I mean, it uses imagery from the movie. and Now, I, I certainly don't disagree. But what I mean, what are they supposed to do? Like ignore The Shining because King doesn't like it? Like, I mean, of course. I, well, mean, I know. Yeah. Um, I do. I did remember reading. I didn't. I didn't read the book. Um, I wish I'd read the book. Actually. That's one of his few books of that era I haven't read, and but, I've seen the movie like you mean 20 the Shining times. Yeah, I've never oh, read I the read Shining. The Shining. Oh, I've never read the Shining. The Shining is sad. The Shining. Um, well, I think that's why King doesn't like it because The Shining is a lot about alcoholism. And, yeah, and, and King was an alcoholic. Yep, and I think he resented that Kubrick took all that and just yeah, just got rid of it. All he yeah. wanted was the supernatural part of it. Right. Um, it, the book is the book's a bummer. The book is just about the failing dad and like uh, the the um, what's the boy's name? I, I Danny. Sw- I swear to God, I almost called him Jake Lloyd. <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't know. I'm. Well, I, that's a sad story. I know. Um, what's the kid's name? Danny. Danny. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, the, there's a lot of stuff about like uh, Jack came home drunk one night and broke his kid's arm, and like right. just just stuff where like the you hear that from the little boy's perspective and. The whole fictional, what's his friend's name? Tony. 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 Tony's a man who lives in my mouth. Yeah, like that guy, like is is there to defend him from his dad's like drunk outbursts. It's just, it's sad. It's a messed up, but sad book. Him. See that? People want to see the shine. I know. I get that. <laughs> um, apparently, this Doctor Sleep has got something to do with like vampires or some shit that I don't, I don't know about that. Here's so the thing. I'm skeptical about any of that. If you do the batting average of good Stephen King adaptations to bad, you know what though. <laughs> He made Maximum Overdrive. This week's movie is 1942's Cat People. I tried to make you realize all these stories that worry you so much nonsense. But now I see it's not the stories. It's the fact that you believe them. We've got to have help, Irina. Tell tell me about 1942's Cat People. Okay, it takes place in New York in 1942 in uh, modern Manhattan. 
um, a young, you know, a guy, sort of your average all-American guy whose name is, weirdly, Oliver Reed, which is the name of a famous actor, if you knew. But the character name is Oliver Reed. He uh, meets this young woman at the zoo. She's uh, from Serbia. They fall in love. But she tells him that she cannot get passionate with him because due to a curse put on her people, she will turn into a cat, a panther, and kill him. She she actually doesn't quite say that. She, But that's what she's saying. I watched this movie today. Yeah. She, sa- <laughs> she says to him, there is a legend of a king who, it's a, it's a Christian town, and over time they became more pagan. Yes. And learned how to turn into cats and panthers and the bible says the panther is the most wicked of all the animals or whatever i whatever right although you'd think it'd be the snake but okay uh and this king 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 joe king john king, king john king which, john by the, way, by the way this is all made up horseshit. bullshit yeah this yeah. is all horseshit. it's all made up for the movie um shows up in town and and strikes down all the paganists and then the the most vile and wicked of these people fled to the hills. When King John drove out the Mamelukes and came to our village, he found dreadful things. People bowed down to Satan and said their masses to him. They had become witches and were evil. And where they stayed forever. And then she just lets that linger. But and she, but she's she's supposed to. She's obviously a descendant of them. But yeah. the the Oliver guy's like, huh? It's quite a story. And then they move right along. Well, like, but she, I mean, but that's part of the thing is that she's, you know, she represents this sort of foreign, you know, uh, like an ancient sort of a thing. And he's just all American. There's no problems, and da da da. He like brushes off everything, and she is clearly worried about this. I, I kind of like him. I don't usually like the boring white guy, straight man protagonist, but he's like chipper, and well, he's very chipper. He seems just like a good dude. I don't know. Well, for- he's a little. He is a good dude, but he's kind of ignoring. He's he has a part in the movie where he actually says like, "I've never been sad before. I don't know how to feel." <laughs> I'm sorry, Ollie. Must make you very unhappy. You know, it's a funny thing. I've never been unhappy before. Things have always gone swell for me. I had a grand time as a kid. Lots of fun at school. Here at the office with you and the Commodore and Doc. That's why I don't know what to do about all this. I've just never been unhappy. You know, I was never sad till I was married, and I was yeah. like, "Add a boy." Yeah, that's right. You marry Arena. <laughs> but anyway, so she's very worried that if if she and she, if she gets passionate, she will turn into a panther and kill him. Right. If she gets angry or passionate. Yeah, but but for the movie's purpose, it is specifically. I mean, here's what this movie is about, really. In 1942, this is a movie about a woman who is afraid to have sex with her husband. And it is, you don't see a lot of, and it comes right out and says that yeah. without saying the word sex, but there's a scene after they get married and they go up to her, to the apartment they're now sharing on their wedding night. And she says, I want to be your wife. I want to be all the things that means, right. but I can't. And it's like, well, this yeah. is, you know, this movie was not made for children back then. This is before the comic book code. Well, that has nothing to I, do yeah, with it. Yeah, that's a metaphor. <laughs> okay. uh, but it is after the production code. And they were antsy about this, but the Hollywood production code. This this director, what's his name? 
Well, the director is Jacques Tourneur, but the producer is Val Luton, and he's sort of the main creative force behind this movie. And he made, but there were, he made a bunch of movies. He made this, like this. Curse of the Cat People, The Leopard Man, I Walk with a Zombie. And this was sort of the high art. Well, this is the first one. And the interesting thing is, is he was, he worked, he like did work on Gone with the Wind and um, he worked with David L. Selznick and he did some literary adaptations, but he was hired by RKO Studios specifically because RKO had released Citizen Kane the year before, you know, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Yeah. And it lost them a shit ton of money. This movie I read saved them. It did. And so they wanted, they said, we want to make some fair, not B movies, but we want to make some low budget horror movies so we can, you know, make money. They want to make the Joker. No, they didn't want to make, nobody wants to make the Joker. Now, (laughs) but no, I take that back. Now everybody, I'm sure, wants to make the Joker. But anyway, so, so you know, and Val Luton was, he was sort of a very shy, he was kind of an odd duck, a very well read literary kind of guy. And, um, and they said, Here's the you know, the Wolfman had come out from Universal and it was a huge hit, so they're like, we want to make this. We want you to make a movie called Cat People, right? And, and the they idea- expected a balls out horror movie with people turning into cats, like and the like the Universal Studios model. Exactly, that's what they wanted, and that is not what he gave them. And they they almost fired the director. They didn't. They they like dismissed him, right? I, well, right. they were they they were going to dismiss him, and then the head of the studio, or at least the head of that division saw the dailies and said, no, let Jock stay. He's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. And so they went to the theaters. They were very worried, but it was a huge hit. Huge. Like I, So I'm looking at the numbers now. It cost them 141, 659. Right. It took three weeks to film. It was like 18 days of shooting, yeah. period. Started on my birthday, by that's, the way, filming. That's amazing to yeah. me. And, and it was, it was, you know, which is very efficient. There's few settings. There's a small cast. There's not... There's a tiny bit of special effects. Weirdly, there's a little animation, which I, had I, to add some... It didn't look good either. I mean, I, to be fair, I get it. It's World War II. It's I understand. Yeah. It happened a long time ago. But they made it for 142 grand, roughly, and it came under budget from 150. It, Yeah. It, and it made $4 million right. in two years. Yeah. It's just a good, good... And nobody expected it because it was not what they wanted. It is not a movie about a bunch of people who turn into cat you know like werewolves and kill people yeah it's much more of the suspense thriller Mm -hmm. horror kind of movie so let's before i whine let's talk about the good um this this movie is beautiful i will say this this is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time that i i I I love this movie that doesn't affect what i'm gonna say i know i know hey you're gonna but i mean and i think one reason is is because i love the world this movie creates it was all done on a soundstage yeah none of it takes place no one of us filmed in new york but I just love this idea of this New York, and it takes place sort of going from fall into winter. And um, for a man who loves New York so much, you you say that on almost every episode. I do. I it's, love fake New York. Maybe. It makes no sense. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it makes no sense that you picked Rockford, Illinois, to not I picked leave. it because there was a job here. I know because the un- the newspaper industry was booming once upon a time. <laughs> but but then you just never left, and New uh, York still exists, and you could just go there. I love. Fake New York. Also, I love laziness, and I'm just too lazy <laughs> to do anything. Uh, this this movie to me falls under the category of of it, it's less of a movie and more like a um, like a time capsule. It's okay. more it's more like a look at what they were doing. Look at this interesting piece of art, but it it doesn't have that much in common with with anything we would watch today. Well, and. I'm not arguing. I would also say... And I'm trying not to be like a dick about God. this. No, it's, it is very much of its time. But I also think... And I'll let you get back. 
I do think, like we said, it is more adult and subtle than you might think a horror movie from 1942 would be. There's So there's a lot to admire about it. It's just tough to get into something that is seriously 80 years old. You know, it's just, it's, for me, I, there's a lot of stuff like, uh, there's this one character. She is the... Alice? No, 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 no. She's, sure. she's the, the hotel apartment clerk. At the uh, at the YMCA or whatever? No, no, it's not the YMCA. It's it's that's her her building. But she lives at the Y. Oh, she lives at the Y. That people used to live at the Y. I didn't know that. It's a I different mean, thing. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I'm pretty sure it's the Y. But anyway, I know who you mean. She's in one scene. She says, "Gee whiz, gee golly." She's like, in forty seconds of film. She's in it a bunch, and she says, "She's not in it a bunch." Oh, gee, I can't tonight. What bothers Miss Moore? Gee whiz, dearie, are you all right? It's nothing. It was dark down here and Mrs. Reed coming in unexpectedly frightened me. I'm terribly sorry. Could I have my robe, please? Sure. Gee whiz, honey, it's torn to ribbons. There's a couple... There's you a couple, are so bizarre. I'm not bizarre. <laughs> uh, there's a couple lines where... Um, What's our, what's our lead actress's name? Uh, Simone, Simone. I, Irena. Irena. By the way, when I wrote Catwoman and I had Catwoman go undercover when she was trying to... You, you named her after I named her Irena Dubrovna, which is after this. She says, I love loneliness. No, she says, I love the dark. I like the dark. It's friendly. I love silence. She says, I love what loneliness. What are you... I don't understand. What <laughs> you like, complaining about? I just... I, it was so... I had to write it down as it was happening. I was like, really? That's what you're... Okay. <sighs> Speak. You can't speak. There's nothing you can say. There's only silence. But I love silence. I love loneliness. You are so bizarre. It's it's not well done. It's not good. It's, it is it's, very well done. There's cool moments in this movie, but it's bad dialogue. It is not bad dialogue. You have this idea about old movies, and you think the dialogue is worse, and it is not worse. I'm fine. You thought that Sweet Smell of Success has bad dialogue when it is universally acclaimed as one of the best written movies. It's just ridiculous dialogue. I didn't. It's it's not that it was bad dialogue. It's just that everybody had their own little writer behind them, like popping off one liners, rapid fire, and it just. What movie do you like now that has what you would consider good dialogue? I'm not doing this with you. Uh huh. You know, I like Casablanca. I did. I thought Casablanca yeah. was a good movie. It's great. It, it's not a. It's not same a, year. <laughs> it's a much better movie. Well, I'm not going to argue on that or not. I like this movie better. <laughs> this movie looks great, though. It uh, does. In Jacques a way, tenure. the whole the whole like uh, like noir kind of look with all the shadows. Like mm-hmm. I appreciate it when when they actually finally show you the the panther. It's like in shadow under a table. Um, At the end, when they're in the drive, the thing when they're in the office, like where what, what are they? What are their jobs exactly? They they, they design ships. Is that what it was? Because yeah. I know he would he he read numbers to her, and she went, "Yep." They're designing, yeah, they have a big thing there on the wall. They're designing ships. I love that scene. Isn't that a great scene, though, with the, the drafting tables all lit from below? And yeah, and there's there's numbers one through ten on the wall, mm-hmm. which, I, yeah, it's great. And, and then he they, grabs the T-square, and, they, <laughs> and it's like a cross. I'm going to kill that thing. Yeah, they, they, they show they the... They do the... It's, it's not a subtle shot, but it's, no, it's, it's a nice-looking shot. It's pretty obvious. Now, let me ask you a question. Speaking of the noir and the look of it, well, this... Did you... You know, because there's two scenes everyone... If you read like film books, the two scenes they always talk about are the scene when she's being stalked in Central Park with, that ends with the bus. In yeah. fact, that that's is, like a trope now. It became, they called it the bus, the loot, the Luton bus. 
The Luton bus. But yeah, really editor cool. Mark Robson, I believe, actually invented it because he's the one who edited the shots together. But uh, yeah, they call, Alice, it, they call it the Luton bus. Yeah, yeah, Alice is walking through Central Park and Arena. Alice is the other woman and Arena is stalking her. And it's like, tick, tick, tick. it's all sounds tick, tick, on the yeah. sidewalk. Tick, 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 tick. And then she's getting more and more nervous. And then there's a loud sound and you think it's like a hiss of a cat or something. But it turns out it's the sound of the bus pulling up. And then, but the the, the cheery comic 1940s guy, are you getting on, lady? Are you getting on the bus? But I don't understand what you want in that scene. I don't that is what a bus sa- driver would do. Every actor in this movie sounds like they're trying to sell me a hot dog at a Yankees game. You, you Every one of them. You, you, you don't down. like old movies. Get your hot dogs here. It's just, it's. It's I'm like okay, man. These characters are on screen. If you haven't seen Cat People, by the way, if you were watching carefully for the bus driver and the woman who works at the apartment, they're on screen for a total of about a minute. The movie, maybe the movie's forty five minutes long. No, the movie is seventy minutes long, which well, I would think you would appreciate. I did appreciate that. But you tell see, me but, about the cast, Will. Let's talk about the actors. Uh, well, sincerely, there's there's three essential leads. There's right? there's uh, Simone Simone who was a French actress, who she plays Arena, the lead, ca- the Catwoman of the movie. You've got Kent Smith, who plays Oliver Reed. He's the, the guy who marries her. And then you have uh, Jane Randolph plays Alice, who is his co-worker. But I, I think she works for him. I think she's like an intern or something. She's like a clerk or something. Yeah, but right, yeah, right. But she works at the place. And she's kind of like his pal. But eventually, she's more than his pal. She in comes fa- out and says, no, I love you. Yeah, yeah, there's a sequel to this Curse of the Cat People where they're married then. Oh, same actors and everything? Same act. In fact, Irena is in it, and she plays a ghost that their daughter sees. Now, whether her daughter... See, again, the Curse... Well, Billy, let me tell you this. Curse of the Cat People, before you start laughing, that's the title they gave him, and he's like, Curse of the Cat People. It's What it really is about is... A little girl who is very lonely, and is she sort of losing her mind or not? It's okay. a, it is a completely different movie than you think it is going to be. Arena is not a villain in it at all. She's just something that the girl. I don't, I don't sees. think Arena's a villain in this movie. No, either. I don't think so either. I think she's, as they said at the end, she never lied to him. I mean, she. Yeah. The villain is the psychiatrist played Who's, by Tom Conway. Yeah, so that guy. Uh, well, let, let's get to him. I'm, I'm just I'm okay. kind, kind of keeping a list here. Tom Conway and what was his doctor? Doctor Lewis Judd. Who Judd. he has a quote at the beginning. It's like supposed to be this quote, and then you realize it's a quote from the character. I think in the, movie. the end. So of the, a, I think it ends with his quote too. It ends with no. It ends with a quote from a poem. Oh, John okay. Don. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's the in house the in cast character yes. gets the quote. So. Um, do we know? I mean, tell, do you know anything about these actors? Uh, Simone, Simone. She was a French actress. Apparently, she was quite. Uh, she was not the easiest woman to work with on set. Hmm. She was. Uh, she would like try and like if like. There's a scene in the movie when they get married, and they're having a little dinner, like an after wedding dinner with friends at a restaurant, and a woman comes up and says, "She says in Serbian, my sister." Right. And she looks like a cat. I mean, yeah. she has like a little. You know, she has kind of feline, not made up, but she has feline features and and that, and it freaks her out. Apparently on set, everyone was like, that was a great little moment this actress had. It was Elizabeth Russell, this other actress. And Simone Simone like poured a, like she acted like she spilled wine on herself so they would have to stop filming and like pay attention to her for a Uh, second. Oh, jeez. I know. And she overdubbed that lady's. She did. Yeah. uh, Audio too. I was going to say vocals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Elizabeth Russell is not happy about that. By the way, people. Some people read like a bunch of lesbian angles into that scene. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I guess in a in a movie that's trying to subtly tell you stuff. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe. Uh, maybe. I, don't know. Um, I thought um, 
Simone has, she's got a very squarish kind of face. We just kind of got that kitteny kind of. Yeah, but she has a jaw. It reminded me, I have two comps, and you can make fun of both of these. I might be way off, but it kind of reminded me of like a Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same, you know. No, but I, yeah, there's, yeah, I could see that. So Kent Smith. Yeah. uh, He is the straight man to. And he is a, I mean, he's, he has no shadings of darkness at all, he, he's the he's the navy guy who leans the girl over and kisses her for the photo. He's just yeah. Captain America. He's just, he is like Captain America. I mean, he's a little, you know, he's a little dull. I think, but I mean, you almost want he like represents straight. At, you know, he doesn't see any problems with anything. And, and but then, he's so cheerful. He's like relentlessly optimistic. Even when his wife says, "I'm not having sex with you." Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, he he's just like, well, we'll work through it. Do you know what happened to the bird? It died. It died of fright when I tried to take it in my head. All right. The bird was afraid of you. That's nothing. I had a rabbit once that hated me, yet I grew up to be quite a nice fella. It doesn't work out in the end. Spoiler no. alert. Although he gets the other girl, so... He does. And, and you know, it's kind of... You've, that's why I think you feel bad for Arena, because she's, like, screwed. I mean, I'm, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, he's... he's I've fallen... Because she decides, I'm going to be your wife, da-da-da, and then he's like, I'm, I'm in love with Alice. It's interesting, too. He tells her um, they're on their second date. I think he points it out. He's like, this is only our second date, and we've never even kissed, but I'm yeah. in love with you. Yeah, and he says, in America, you know, people who think they're in love, they kiss. And they, they've, and they've already been together by this time, yeah. I think is what he says. And she's like, yeah, okay, well, I love you, too. You yeah. know, and then, like, I think the next scene is the They're way. getting married. I yeah. mean, it's a very, you know, when we talk about the birds, you got to admit, this movie is streamlined. It's boom, 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 boom. I, I, look, I, I'm I'm making fun of it because I know it'll undermine you and make you all riled up. It's fine. I, I don't hate it. It's just it's just it's it's more of a cultural artifact than it is like something that I'd want to ever watch. I again. understand. I understand. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, um, tell me about Alice. Okay, Alice is uh, you know she's the she's kind of the all American girl. She's his pal, but she also. You know, she's always kind of, you get the feeling she's trying to undermine their marriage, or at least she is not that upset when the marriage starts falling apart. Right. You know, she's the one who, she recommends the psychiatrist when she basically says, like, doesn't she have some line like he kisses too much or there's some, he holds, there's some like line she has, but she recommends him anyway. But she does say, but he does, I reckon he does know what he's talking about. Yeah. Like, she does seem, uh, but she's also like a... There's something noble about Alice, and I, I all, all the only reason why I say that is, um, yes, she's a homewrecker, but when the doctor says, "Look, you can either if you can ever committed, you can get a divorce, you can do this, you can do that," and uh, um, Oliver's like, "Look, I'm not going to just throw her away. I, right, I need to right. support her." And Alice is like, "Good, like that's a good thing to do. I'll whatever decision you want right. to make, I'm on board." Like, and I don't think there's a, the least bit of like disappointment or cynicism there. She's just like, "Do it. You do what you got to do. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll." And you know, support I, that. I will. I'll say this about the movie: the psychiatrist is a little cliched, and the my, others, some of the other minor characters, whatever you think about them. But I think the three leads they feel like real people. I agree. There was one thing well, Val other Luton, than Ol- Oliver's a little, but but I mean, even then, there's one thing Val Luton liked to do is he people had jobs and they were shown doing their jobs. Like Arena is a fashion designer. Yeah. You see her working at home. These guys, they have a job they go to. You know, I mean, it feels like they, it feels like they were leading lives before the movie started. I just realized Arena has a work from home job like a hundred years before that was a thing. She did. That's know. pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. But it's you know, and and um, you know, and the the work scenes when they're at the uh, the 
the ship uh, designing place. I mean, they feel kind of like, you know, it feels like people who are actually at work. I agree. Yeah. I think. And, you know, even in the, it's, another scene is when they go to the, there's another restaurant they go to several times. And this movie has very few sets. You never see the homes of like Alice or Oliver. You see a lot of Arena's apartment. You see where they work and you see a couple of restaurants and the zoo. But um, when they go to the one restaurant, there's a African-American waitress played by an actress named Teresa Harris. And she is, a lot of movies of this era, when you see an African-American character, you almost kind of brace yourself because you're worried something, something bad is coming. Something offensive. But she's very, you know, she just seems like a waitress. Yeah. She's not doing any dialect. She's not, you know, she has an easy rapport with everybody else. She's doing her job. Mm-hmm. One other thing is the uh, speak, getting back to Alice real quick because the other scene people talk about in this movie is when she's in the swimming pool, yeah, and that's the other big sort of like suspense scene in the movie because she Alice goes she's gonna there's a swimming pool in the basement of her building, that's why I think it's the Y. I can't remember if they ever say it, but I've read in some books that she's supposed to like live at the Y or whatever. Sure. But anyway, so she goes swimming and Arena knows she's been out with. Uh, Oliver to be it's it's a little bit of like a misunderstanding because they couldn't have been like they they both I think kind of flirt right but they're also both like well you sh-, she even tells him I think before that scene you, you should go back me. to your wife and apologize right but there is also the scene when they're and I'll get back to the pool in a second but there's also the scene when they're at the museum and they're both like very into looking at something and they're like oh Reina why don't you go look over here and whenever you think think if you were Reina oh uh, yeah you would be like what you don't but, even want to dude, hang out you, with me? You'd also say it right there like, hey, wife over here, you're going to come to me, jerk. Like, I think you would say something in the moment. I know. Whatever. But, but okay. anyway, but so Arena is pissed. She goes to the swimming pool. And then this is another one where Tanur, it's all about suggestion where she's swimming, there's noises, there's shadow. The, the so water light of the, the water light reflecting. is going. And apparently like that was actually, uh, I think the Tanur's hands were creating some of the shadows like to the light, but there's, you know, there's something in there. It makes sounds of a big cat, and Alice doesn't know what it is. And then finally, somebody flips the lights on, and Irena is just standing there in a fur coat like, oh, Alice. Hey, I was looking for Oliver. Where's Oliver? Yeah. And then she's like freaked out, and, and her robe is like slashed to pieces when they, they see her. Sorry to have disturbed you, Alice. I missed you and Oliver, and I thought you might know where he is. We waited for you at the museum. You'll probably find him at home. If you don't mind, then I'll run on. Uh, I, I actually... When she jumps in the pool, I went, that's smart. Cats hate the water. It's true. I think that's why she did <laughs> the it. The cat's not getting in there at all. Uh-uh. And she didn't get in there, but, you know. Um, but she screams help like she's being attacked. Well, I think she's, yeah, she's pretty terrified. And then and then the clerk comes, the, the YMCA, whatever. the, the Billy's the, favorite character next comes to the bus driver. Gee, miss, what's up? What's going on? Jeez, jeez, golly. It's just like, oh, God. God. This is not an accurate portrayal of it's, the movie. That's, yes, it is. Nobody's. No, here's the thing. This is going to be our least popular episode because nobody's seen this movie. P- film fans have seen this movie. I, I, I will put those numbers to you after this episode goes up. Uh, and two, they're never going to go back and watch this movie anyway. So as far they as the should. audience knows, she says "gee golly" seven hundred times. You people should watch this movie. It's only seventy minutes long. Come on. It do, Don't it do, let me down, people. And it does look good. Uh, tell me, last character, tell me about Tom Conway, Dr. Tom Judd. Conway, t- Dr. Lewis Judd. Yeah, he's the psychiatrist. Um, and you, he is like very like, you know, oily. Not He's very sophisticated, but he's very kind of, you know, sleazy and superior to Arena. And he tries to tell her that this is all nonsense, you know, all these things about that. 
And uh, Alice at one point says, like, because Alice and Oliver are getting more and more worried that there really is something to these stories. And he, like, laughs him off, like, what, So should I bring a silver bullet or something? And he shows he has a sword cane. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty sweet. Why can't I get a sword cane? So it's it's interesting because I think 80% of the time, the characters are all behaving in a way that makes sense for their jobs and in a way that's fundamentally decent. The doctor is kind of oily, but also the things he says, he's saying sincerely right. and he's he's trying to help. He's but like But at a certain point he's at he's, a certain point he gets to be a creepy weirdo. But up until that point, he's like, Look, I want to help you, but you're not being honest with me. Right. And yeah. and the stuff he's saying, he I, I think he's doing his job mm-hmm. to the best he can. But then toward the end, then he decides he's gonna show her this is all bullshit. And, and try he, to make out with her? Yeah. Like, what's his plan? I don't know, but <laughs> that's gets, when it all goes wrong. It gets weird. Because I, that, I mean, and you never, you know, th- I'm sure the producers wanted this scene, but you never get the scene of Arena turning into the cat. Right. She leans, he leans in on her, and then the camera moves in on her face, and you could almost, I always get the feeling that on the one hand, this is what she's been dreading. On the other hand, she's going to enjoy this because she hates him, yeah. and finally all this tension will be released, and then, then there's scenes with a panther attacking him. He stabs the panther. But with, his, with his sword cane. With his sword cane. And it breaks off. And throughout the movie, we've been seeing imagery of this king with a panther on his sword. Right. So we kind of get that at the end. Yeah. Plus, there's a panther at the zoo. So, Arena, so she, she runs to the zoo she, as a panther. I'm, well, no. She's human when she goes to the zoo. Because remember, she's hiding in the hallway. Oh, but she lets the panther out. She lets the panther out. And it's the implication is she wants to die and she wants the panther to kill her yeah. the studio was they were told not to do that because they were not allowed to show suicide oh, in a movie okay. but I mean it's it's kind of subtle but yeah. it's there and then the panther kills her and then gets hit by a car yeah then I don't know why the panther that's one part I'm like why did the panther it could have just run off it didn't have to do anything I have one thing that I noticed in the movie that tell me if this is a, a movie mistake or whatever um, he alright so we're we're at the we're at the middle of act 3 right we're we're right ramping up to the conclusion here and mm-hmm. uh Alice Oliver and Dr Judd have decided they're going to commit Irena right it's it's for her own good right um, and he cannot divorce her if she's committed so and they they all agree and go and even that's where i'm saying Alice is like no that's the right thing to do if you're worried about her health because they they think it's an act of love they think we're helping right they her. think yeah they think she's legit nuts right and I don't know. There's something, their decision's wrong, but there's something noble and they believe they're doing the Yeah, right it thing. is interesting that there's, you're right, there's no, everyone is trying to act out of, like, the interest of everybody. No one is, yeah. There's not like, well, great, now we can have our own marriage and we, it's, there's not, there's nothing mm-hmm. shady here, right? Um, so they all go and they wait at Irena and Oliver's apartment and time goes by and by and by and then eventually they all kind of say, you know what, let's get out of here. She's not coming. Right. She must know something's up. So they all go to leave, and as they get to the lobby, Dr. Judd says, hey, my mistake. I left my cane, my sword cane, right. in your apartment. Let me go get my sword cane. Give me your key. So, oh, okay, gee whiz, and hands him the key. Well, they don't have any reason to suspect him I would definitely point. just go get it for him, but okay. He goes up there. He unlocks the door. He does get his cane, and then he intentionally unlocks the door so right. he can go back in there on his own later. Exactly. I don't remember quite what happens next, but... 
uh, Oliver and Iran, or I'm sorry, Oliver and Alice go somewhere. That's I think when they, they, go, they go to work. They go to work. Yeah, we're yeah. they're like we've been focusing on this. We have a bunch of work to catch up on. That's when you have the scene with the light tables and all that, which is super believable. She's like Alice says, like we've been messing around with this stupid yeah. thing all day. We have a job. That's not a scene you see in a horror movie, right? Like that, I have work to do because right? I I see that all the time. I'm like I can't record tonight, man. I, I have to. But get you this don't work done. in a room as cool as that. That's studio. fair. That's fair. Uh, so Doctor Judd walks right back up to their apartment. And then at some point, because, uh, you know, he left the door unlocked so we could go sit in there. And then Arena comes back and he's like, hey, I held my appointment for us. I, you know, you were supposed to be here at this time or whatever. Yeah. It's your hours late. And it's it's all very like, it seems normal. And then, I know this is going on, I'm sorry. But Alice and Oliver call the apartment and say, hey, you need to get out of there. You shouldn't be there. She's going to kill you. She just attacked us. Yeah. He's not supposed to be there. He had to sneak the door open. To oh, I don't know. I to be honest, I never noticed that. And you may be right. It may be. Uh, well, I mean, maybe well, they thought he was. At, I don't know. What's the? I mean, they could have literally just said because I think the implication is he wants to sneak in there so he can get with Irena. Right. Like he wants to like you know have right. his way with her. Or whatever. Whatever's gonna happen. I but don't. Yeah, that's a good point. I honestly why not just don't know. say, hey, give me your key. You guys go to work, and I'll meet up here later with her. Because they none of them believe she's gonna turn into a panther. They think she's just right. nuts. Then after that, they do think she's. They think she has turned into. A panther. So they just call him and go, hey, get out of there. It's like you're not I don't supposed know. to be there, dude. Like why? I will say this: I've watched the movie like ten times, and I never noticed that. All right, it just it bugged me tonight. Right. I was like, and by the way, one more thing about uh, Doctor Lewis Judd, he shows up. Tom Conway plays a character named Dr. Lewis Judd in a later Val Luton movie called The Seventh Victim, only he's unequivocally a good guy in this movie. Oh, okay. But it's, it's the same, same character name? Same character name, same actor. I mean, isn't that kind of... But it's weird because he dies in this movie and he's an asshole. For, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there's something to be said about you, you cast a star or a familiar face because you're trying to evoke the past memories that the audience will Sure. Have. Like people would go to see a Clark Gable movie because they like Clark Gable. Or they want to see, they or see Bogart. Or, exactly. Or now Brad Pitt or whatever. You Wait, know. So when you cast that guy and you call him the same name, but you, you know, you make him nice, there's some audience expectation setting there. Maybe. Right? There's a lot of debate on whether, why they named him the same because he's in a couple other Valut movies not playing, he's in I Walk With a Zombie, but not playing Thomas Judd. Oh, okay. Or uh, Lewis Judd. Because the same like principal actors would work with the same crew. Yeah, because they had... Because there... I mean, how many movies are these guys making? Is, this movie took 18 days to film. Is it like four movies a year? Well, he making? was working on... Yeah, they did make like four movies a year, or at least. I mean, yeah. he was... he When this movie... Because, you know, they filmed it... When it was released, like if they finished it in, I don't know, August, I think. It was released in December. He had already had two other movies at various stages of production. Yeah. Like, he was working on I Walk With a Zombie and I think The Leopard Man. Both also title, you know, they said, your next movie, because he was excited when this was a hit or when it when it was going well. And they said, your next movie is going to be called I Walk With a Zombie. They gave him these titles. And, and then like, just, you got to oh. write whatever we, yeah. Right. Oh. But, he, but again, I Walk With a Zombie is like a very spooky mood piece about like a South American zombie stuff. But it's not like, I'm sure it's not what the studio expected. And movies were n new then, right? I mean, like, well, I mean, it's I mean, 1942, were... so when's like 15 years of an industry? No, no, they've been around since it was at least 30 years of an industry. I mean, uh, they, okay, they've okay. been around. I mean, but they, I mean, they were newer than they are now. But it was still. I mean, they, these movies. The thing that's different about all the movies made back then were these movies were very much like a. When they called it a factory, yeah. it was a factory. That's what I'm saying. You were given a movie, a title, 
you were given, you know, you were probably assigned a director. Maybe as a producer, he could pick it. As stars, you might finish a movie on Friday and then you would start a movie on Monday. Right. I mean, it was it was your job and they worked long, hard hours. This is all before like stars had agents and could set up packages of their own. You signed a studio contract and then they would do with it. They would do with you what they would. Right. You get to be a working actor, but there's strengths. I mean, the advantage, you know, on the one hand, everything kind of was, you know, studios had their, you know, they the movies had a certain similarity. On the other hand, like you said about how good it looked, these were real pros. Right. I mean, they when they signed a cinematographer or somebody write the score or set decoration, these were not schmoes. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. You know, um, and this was a very low budget movie, but when they walk into Arena's apartment and you see that long elaborate staircase, yeah. that was built for Orson Welles' Magnificent Ambersons. I saw that. Because, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Blow up every yeah. set? I mean, I yeah. mean, a lot of those sets were, you know, and I think the, I want to say that both restaurants and a couple other, they were all the same. The, the pet store they go to, those were all exactly the same set. They just dressed them and, you know, for different. I did like the cats just like hissing at her the whole time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, and, and she gets a bird and tries to pet it and it dies of fright. Yeah, she, although it's really weird how she opens the cage and she's just sticking her out die too. Like oh. she's like she's pretty menacing. There's a great uh, a couple of scenes. There's one when and, I, and my next question for you is is what's your favorite scene? Um I think I mean I love the bus and I love the pool. I think my favorite scene maybe when they're in the drafting. Okay. Thing. But there's a couple great shots um specifically about Arena and sort of how lonely and desperate she is. On their wedding night, um, he she's in her bedroom and she basically says, "You have to sleep on the couch because we can't have sex." Yeah, you know, and so, and she's in there and the snow is falling in the background and she's just kind of like sitting beside the door, just with her hand on it. And he's on the other side. And of he's it. on the other side of the yeah, door. Yeah, it's sad. And then there's another scene where she's toward the end when she's getting angry at him and she's sitting on the couch and she just runs her her normal human hand down, but it cuts like cat claws are doing it. And then there's another scene when she's, I can't remember specifically, she's very sad or upset about something and she's taking a bath. And this was kind of a sort of more erotic imagery than you would see in a movie. Yeah, I mean, if we're not allowed to show a toilet till 1960, whatever. I mean, she's naked in the tub. You just see her back. But what's great is it pans up from the floor and the tub has claw feet. Sure. So you get like claws and then up into her. Yeah, there's a lot of, I I earnestly appreciate all of that. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm, no, there's no buy. And it. I realized when going in, this can be a tough sell to modern audiences. But I would say, give it a chance. It's short. And think of it more as a drama than a horror movie. I, do, I don't know how to to get past this break in my... It's like, there's a roadblock for me here, man, where it, I know what a movie is. I've seen a thousand movies or whatever, right? I, I, I've... I've watched so many films and then you go back and watch this and it's so strikingly different. It's so, it feels like a historical document rather than a story I, you can get involved in. Yeah. Like? like I just, I mean, the characters are all like very surface. I mean, I know they have, we, we compliment them. They, they seem like they have jobs and all that, but there's no character development. They're just people. And they're, you know, there's no, there's I mean, no I, real arcs. There's no nothing other than just, Here's an interesting thing that happened. It's it's almost like watching a like an afternoon soap or something. I don't know. Like, see, I think you get characters in, you get in a movie like this are more complex than most movie characters now. 
I mean, like, I mean, I'm not saying every movie, but I think, a lo- I mean, I think more so than, I mean, and I love them, but I mean, my God, they're more complex than anything in a Marvel movie. I mean, geez, in Con Air, Nick Cage wrote a letter to his daughter once a week. <laughs> if you think those characters have more depth than the sheet of paper the script page was written on, that you is a are joke, drunk. and you <laughs> I know. should have taken advantage of it. I know, I know. Uh, all right, so my last talking points on this are score and cinematography, and I wanted to save cinematography for the end. Um, I don't recognize, I don't know if there's any score in this movie at all other than the beginning and the end, right? Yeah, there's Roy Webb. I mean, he was the house. He was the guy for RKO? He was one of, one of the guys, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he wrote, you know, it's a, it's a solid, I mean, some people say that, you know, if you, if a, if you constantly notice the score, then it's not... You know, and then it's intrusive. So it's, you know, it's effective. It's people generally. I'm not a music expert, so people seem to like it. But God, I mean, and then cinematography. Um, it just it struck me. I mean, maybe I'm just a sucker because it's like it's black and white and there's a lot of dramatic shadows. But it looks good. It's like proto noir. Like it's, it's very. Yeah, it is proto noir. There, the guy, um, Nicholas uh, Musaraka, I believe, directed it or did the cinematography on it. And he did a couple. He did. Uh, he did uh, the cinematography on Out of the Past, which is one of the most acclaimed noirs. Okay. Robert Mitchum. I mean, when you talk about, like, you see a list of great film noirs, Out of the Past is usually in the number one spot, if not closer to it. But he also, and I think this may be how he uh, how he got the gig on Cat People, he did a movie called... This is, this is uh, Musaraka? Musaraka. Okay. He did a movie called Stranger on the Third Floor, which is a Peter Lorre kind of murder mystery. It, if you ever, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and see if they have the dream sequence up because it's stunning. Yeah. I mean, it is just incredible black and white, like surreal, you know, rooms with ceilings 100 feet high and that kind of thing, crazy shadows. And I think that movie is so striking looking from 1940 that that helped land him the gig on cat people there is something to be said almost like jaws where they don't show the panther much at all where it's a lot of just shadows and and sound and and they i mean it works it's very effective Mm -hmm. there's a movie um it came out i think i want to say in the 50s i don't have the exact year a kirk douglas movie um about like a Hollywood producer and how ambitious he is and how he's basically an asshole, but everyone, you know, but, but he does great work. And there's a scene early on where he and his buddy have to make a horror movie called the curse of the cat man. Okay. And they have these ridiculous costumes they don't want to use. So they decide they're going to do it all with darkness. Okay. And, and that scene is directly inspired by the making of cat people. Because cat people, the producers kept saying more cats, more transformations. They wanted, I mean, when they gave him the title cat people, they wanted some, they wanted the wolf man, but with cats. I saw they called somebody Bagheera. Um, do, does that sound familiar to you at all? I don't know. I don't, um, I, I thought that she, she is from Bagheera. There's, there's a reference to Bagheera, which is the panther in the jungle book. Oh, they, oh, it's, it must mean it must mean something. Cat, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm cat, sure that's yeah. what it means. But I was like, oh, hey, there's it's, uh, the guy saves Mowgli. All right, there you go. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on Cat People, the 1942 um, film? Well, I can't guarantee you'll like it, but I would r- recommend people give it a try. You yeah. know, the Begita—that's what it says the here. Begita. The Begita is the name. Sorry, the short story. Um, 
why is this in your top 10 all-time favorite movies? Is it is it to spite me? No. It's been in my top 10 favorite movies long before I ever met you, That's Bill. Not it's true. not all about you. That can't possibly um, be true. I love, I, I love the world it takes place in. I like how the characters, to me, seem like actual human beings. And I, it looks great. I mean, it just something, it hits me on some level. You have, you, have you shown this to Ali yet? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Is it, I mean, I guess you got to kind of be careful about it because the whole plot is, eh, she, she won't have sex with her husband. She's old enough to handle that. Fair enough. Okay. She's watching Scream right now, so. Right, like, right now. Well, yeah, like tonight. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think this is more adult than Scream. I, well, but that, isn't that interesting? The 1942 movie is more adult than a ni- 1996 movie? I something, yeah, something like that. Um, I don't really have any other final thoughts on on cat people. I, I think it's uh, it's homework. I'm glad I watched it. I, I do like being able to tell people, hey, I saw that cat people movie. The thing is, I'm not going to meet another person in my day to day life who has know. heard of this. And that's sad is because it- and that it, and I'm not, I'm only half kidding because there are so many great movies that people will never watch, but they're there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, you, you know, as long as they're on Netflix, they'll find them. Well, that's not on Netflix, so don't worry about that. But I mean, you know, and another thing is, because there's been a lot of talk about Martin Scorsese and how he doesn't like Marvel movies and da-da-da-da-da. Scorsese loves this movie and loves Val Luton. He has narrated documentaries about Val Luton, so it's, you know... Sometimes, sometimes when I, I, I mean this in earnest, and I push back by all means, but sometimes I feel like there's um, like a canon of movies or or books or whatever cultural thing, and sure, if you say you don't like it, you're the enemy. Like you, well, you clearly you don't get it. You're not you're not part of the you know. Well, I mean, and I know what you're saying, and I mean it. You when you watch when you or you the general you watch a movie, you can only respond like you respond. Sure. But I also think you, you're, you know that just because you don't like it, it's not worthless. I, and and I I always hope to make that clear that you know most of the time if I love something or don't love something or whatever it's it's I well, right. what do I know and this That's, is there's sort of a fundamental principle here. Well, that, but it's not even what know. do you know? It's it's just it didn't it didn't hit me right. And I mean and it's interesting because you said like you know movies that are eighty years old and I'm not I'm not just trying to be like the old movie critic usually i would rather watch a movie that is like 70 years old than a movie that is four years old i i find it one of the things i mean a lot of people say i don't like it because it's dated i love things that are dated i like feeling that kind of different time and and just getting an idea if not how people lived how people thought people lived maybe we, we i think we allow i think we allow more wiggle room for I was going to say sloppiness, but that's not what I mean. We're much more forgiving of of goofy, anachristic sort of stuff for anything old than we are new. If, if any character said the phrase, gee golly, twice in a modern movie. But you didn't live back then, so you don't know if people oh, would say that. But but if, okay, but if, if somebody said, um, what's what's that phrase that you just hate? Oh, man. So if there was some movie that came out and somebody, and said, somebody f- said, I got the feels. I would it really it. hits me in the feels. They oh, say yeah. it twice. You would... Pull your and I'm sure out. there are movies that say that. Too. You would just be like, "That's so dumb." That's how watching this lady, who's just a minor character, who's like the the eleventh most talking time in this movie or whatever, out of twelve characters, say, "Gee whiz, lady, gee golly!" I just it, 
I was like, that's it's a farce. It's comical. Well, you know, also these movies, I mean, it's a mature movie, but they had a production code. I'm sure people swore back then, but you're not going to hear it in a movie. <laughs> I would like to watch something that is not homework next week. Okay. Can you lead us to anything modern, preferably sci-fi? Uh, I'm Ooh. happy with the dark theme, but just g- give me something that I want to watch like tonight. I know something that's dark and sci-fi and relatively modern. And what's more than that, it's one of the best movies of the last uh, 20 years. I don't know if your voice could get you like escalated too quickly. And normally when you do that high voice, you're lying, but I am not lying. Let's watch from 2006, Children of Men. Children of Men, this is... you. So, okay, so you and I went to a local restaurant called Panino's once, and you handed me a <laughs> DVD, and you said, you should watch this movie. This is way before the podcast. Did you ever return that DVD? Uh, no. No. But, but there's a cabinet behind you that I'm a million percent positive it's in there. Uh, I don't even have a DVD player, so if you'd like it back, let's dig through that cabinet after this. I've never seen this. It's really good. It's uh, It came out, in, like I said, in 2006. It's um, Is it Ethan Hawke? No, it's... Oh, I'm thinking of Gattaca. Sorry. It's Clive Owen. Gattaca is also a good movie, but it's Clive Owen, Julianne Moore. Um, it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, he's the he's the dude who did uh, the space movie. Uh, Gravity. Gravity. Yeah. Which is not not that great, by the no, way. No, it's not. It's, okay. That's a movie I wish I'd seen in the theater. Th- that movie, to me, is a thrill ride. Yeah. As Scorsese says. And that is not a complaint. It is exciting, but when it's over, it's like, well, that was it was like a roller coaster ride. That was fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is, it takes place in the near future in England when, and here's what has happened. People have stopped giving birth. Oh, that's that's good. Well, it's <laughs> it may cut down on the population, but eventually you reach the point of no return. And the, the, the without revealing anything else, the movie starts with the youngest person in the world dying. And I think he was 17 or 18. Okay. So there are no children. Oh, man. So, yeah. So the next youngest person is like a couple weeks younger than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's sort of like humanity is dying off, but slowly. Yeah. Like there are riots oh, everywhere. that's interesting. Yeah. It's, and it's like England, because they've put very strict laws and immigration, and it's kind of you know really clamped down, England seems to be the only country that is even barely holding it together. Uh, everybody else is sort of... Gets oh, fallen into chaos. I don't. It, I literally. I don't know anything about. Yeah, this at and all. it's this movie. Um, it's a. It's a. It's a. You know, really compelling. And um, it's great. It's some of the best. You know, it's kind of a cliche term, but world building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this world and the way they construct it with just glimpses of newscasts, and it it feel. I mean, this movie feels like it had about a billion dollar budget, which it most definitely did. I not. didn't know it was that Quran guy is good. Uh-huh. He's really good. There's a couple of amazing action scenes in this. Like yeah. continuous takes. There's a scene in here that I will not even begin to spoil. That is one of my favorite moments in a movie in. So many years. I it am, hits me like a thunderbolt when this happens because it's exactly opposite of what I was expecting, but it makes perfect sense. Also, Michael Caine is in this giving one of the best performances he's given in a long time. I know that I've said this on the air before, but Michael Caine has this quote where he's like, when I get a script, I look at the front page and I look at the back page. If I'm on both of them, I accept. Well, I'm going to say this. He is not on neither page, but he is... He, I mean, there's a lot of people that say Michael Caine, a lot of times he's just picking up a paycheck. Yeah. This, he is not. He really delivers. I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you. Thank you for... Uh, hey, you know. I've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time. So this is... A, this. It's so good. I appreciate you acquiescing. Uh, 
house cleaning please go to itunes leave us a review i you know there's lots of podcast services there's I, we're on spotify i we're on stitcher uh my buddy gareth had to sign up for something i don't even know what it's called there's a you know we're everywhere you can find podcasts yes. but the only thing that seems to algorithmically recommend us is itunes so that's why we ask you to go there we're up to 17 reviews which is respectable i mean you know i'd like it to be 100 but uh go to itunes find out of theaters leave us a review go to twitter say mean things to will at will pyfer at will pyfer on twitter go to my twitter and just be kind because nobody's ever kind you should see the t- tweets i get are just like <laughs> i love it keep, i have like three keep f- that up people cat people fans let them have it <laughs> I, you know what sincerely i don't mind you talking trash to me on twitter but be nice to me in the reviews don't leave some no. permanent review that's like this billy guy sucks this like, show would rude. not exist without billy yeah that's damn it that's right that's <laughs> i was gonna true. compliment you and but. and and Please, if it sounds interesting, you know, give cat people a chance. And if you hated it, let me know. And if you liked it, let me know. I think I got to be honest. I think I had to go and you know uh, obtain this movie from oh. a, from a torrent site. I'm not sure where they can find it. I have a Criterion Blu-ray, and I have a DVD that I could. Uh... Great. Yeah. So email Will, and he will mail you a physical copy. That of it. will not happen. <laughs> That's it. Next podcast we do will be on Children of Men. Until next time, we'll miss you all most of all. Most of them.